Come on, he is Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. He is God. What an amazing, amazing thing that he did for you and I. And I really want to encourage you and really want to tell you to, you know, as, as believers, as followers of Jesus, to do this, to share in your home this year, as I said, to give you the responsibility of doing that. And um, part of this is what God's been doing in, in me and, and what I believe that God wants to do in the church. I believe that the church, just like in the scriptures, we're at this turning point in Jesus' ministry, and I believe the church is at a turning point. And in this coming year, there are some things that I know that God has laid on my heart that we're going to press into. I, there's, I know that um, in this coming year, we're going to continue in the same uh, in the in the same vision of, of legacy that we were in this year. I believe that this is a place where God wants to bring the church back on track and God wants to bring our families, our homes back on track with the way in which he created and his design for the home, for the family, um, and, and to be able to help everybody, no matter what situation or circumstance they may find their family in, to be able to be a church that's able to reach out, a church that's able to help, a church that's able to, uh, to, to be the church. And so uh, we're going to press into that, and I'm going to take in the first couple months, and I, I'm going to take and, and break down in Revelation the letters to the churches and share that with you, how, what, what it is, because again, I, there's a lot of things in there that you're going to find come out of what uh, we'll be heading into towards the end of this year, in the end of this month, which when we get into the Beatitudes, or we, we look at the, the Sermon on the Mount, I, you know, it's, a, it's an important, important place that we're going to go with that. But there's a lot of woes in that as well, as there was to the church and the churches in, in the Revelation. And so I, I'm going to take the time. You're going to have to do the Christmas message yourself at home because I'm going to um, I'm going to continue in our study through the Word because I believe that we we need this. We, we need what God's been laying on my heart. I know these are simple scriptures. I know that these are simple passages that seem really easy to gloss over. But in the depths of God's word, listen, we, we've treated God's word like a, a, you know, like a puddle for way too long. It's a well. A well that we don't even know the depths of. And we can't be content or, or, or give up on digging in and finding out the depths, where it is and what it is that God is saying to us. And so I want to take these simple scriptures here, and I want to share with you a couple of things today that are vitally important to the church, vitally important to where God has us, and I think they are things that in the culture we have gotten completely out of line, and it has infected the church. And for some of these things, you may find some of them to be offensive. Well, the word of God should be offensive. I'm not trying to be offensive. But just maybe, just maybe, you're offended because you're out of line with the word. Possible. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> Probably not likely for most of you, but... So I want you to do this. Open up your Bibles to... Luke chapter 6, 
Um, if you don't have your Bible, I want you to go to the app. I want you to download the app, and I want you to go to the app, and I want you to go to the media, push on the media, and in there's this thing called sermon notes. You push on that, and sermon notes will open up today's sermon notes. All you do is click on today's date, and it will open up. There's some fill-in-the-blanks and some scriptures you can follow along. There's some additional notes that are in there to explain some of the things that I'm going to talk to you about today. So I want you to do that. I want you to use that. It is a study tool and it will help you stay engaged and receive the fullness of what you can receive in this time and then take it home and be able to go through it at home so do that okay I again I, I'm I'll, I'll share with you the message today but I'm just telling you right up front I'm going to stop asking you to do all sorts of things and I'm going to start telling you to do some things Amen. I know some of you just recoiled <gasps> who does he think he is I'm nobody. I am nobody. <laughs> George, you understand where I'm going then? I, I, I'm nobody deserving of nothing. But I hope and pray that in the sermon here today that you'll make some choices and decisions because of what's right for you, Amen. Not, not at all because of me. So let's go through these scriptures. Luke chapter 6, I'm going to read them again, verse 12. In these days he went out, of the mountain, or out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Thomas, or, or in Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Let's pray. Lord, help us today. Help us to hear what you have to say in the depths of your word. And as your word has been loosed into this place, let not one word, you said it wouldn't, what one word would fall to the ground idle. So I pray, Lord, for open hearts and open minds to receive what you intended your word to be given for today. Help us today. Conform us to your image and let us be transformed by the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? So I have been attempting over these past few weeks to weave through the sermons and to weave through what we've been talking about, this place in transitional ministry where Jesus is in this place of transition. I believe that we are in a place of transition as well. That's why this is so important for us to understand. And Jesus is laying out in the depths of his word some foundational things that we desperately need if we will transition when God calls us to transition. And this is what he's doing here. And so I've been wrapping this, this come and see ministry together with this go and die ministry, the call to go from one to the other. And so we've been looking at that as a, as a thread through all of these different leadership things we have been trying to understand anyway, where Jesus is teaching us leadership lessons through these 12 guys. Who did he pick? Why did he pick them? What did he call them to? What is it and why is it that he chose who he chose? I think it's important. 
And so looking into the depth of that, we have been studying through that, these leadership lessons. We started with the first one, which, means, which Jesus showed us, where you pray boldly, or pray humbly so that you can proceed boldly. Get the men. Two, Jesus came and he, and he went after the men. Now let me also say that that is not where it's just exclusive of women. That's not where Jesus is like, no, I don't, not the women. Just, he knew the importance of the men. He also knew the importance of the call upon the women. This was just a positional place where God had this need for the men to rise up. I will say this. I was reading this morning in my daily devotions, and um, I was uh, surprised. I, I never really had seen it in this way, but... You know, when Jesus was on the cross at Calvary, where were the men? Who was there? Yeah, the women. So there's a strength. There's a tenacity. There's a faithfulness in the heart of women that we need to understand and we need to, be, honestly, Lord, make me more like that. Number three, past results often reveal future performance. Last week, we talked about this. Jesus showed us he, how in his leadership, he trained the called. He did not call the trained. And then as Jesus be lifted up, listen, each and every one of us are totally unique. We are completely one of a kind. Every one of us are a custom creation of God. And when God calls us together, he doesn't call us together to be a club. He doesn't call us together to you know, be a social movement. He calls us together to come in all of our uniqueness and all of our division and all of our weird places and to call us together. And, and he makes us into a team that we wouldn't be without Jesus Christ at the center. And so I called it Weird teams are the best teams. So, uh, in, in moving on, these next two things I want to talk to you about today. What, what I'm going to do, I'll tell you right up front, I want to share with you two things that I think we have gotten completely uh, out of line. I think it's been a, a, an ongoing issue that has completely infected the culture and the church. And I want to talk to you about these two things. Next week, I am going to share with you the the... Honestly, the fatal outcome of what the go-and-die ministry looked like. What happened to these guys? And so that's we'll, so where we're going to head. So today, I'm just going to jump in here. And number six today is Jesus shows us that you need to be under authority before you can be in authority. Verse 13, and when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. There in Luke chapter 6, he uses these two words. He uses the word disciple, and then he uses the word apostle. Disciple, literally, the meaning of disciple is a humble follower or servant of. So we see this, these humble followers are coming to Jesus, and that's what this means. And so Jesus, in those disciples, Jesus, listen, this is, again, this is not deep, but this is important. Jesus is teaching, and they're listening. Jesus is commanding, and they're obeying. Oh, I use that obey word, huh? <laughs> Jesus is leading, and they're following. And so he's looking out at these guys. My point is this. Jesus is looking out at these disciples and he's looking at those who are under authority. Those who had submitted themselves to authority. And Jesus had lots of disciples. 
I mean, you know, at the day of Pentecost, there was over 120 that were in the upper room. Jesus had crowds of people that were coming. There were people that, I mean, there were probably way more than that that would consider themselves disciples. And Jesus is looking, at this point, he's got hundreds of people, possibly even thousands of people that are following him and that are coming to be a part of this come and see ministry. Come and see, come and see, come and see. And Jesus looks at all these disciples that are out there, all these people that are part of this come and see ministry. They've all come to see. There are all these disciples who are following. And what does he do? He looks for those who are under authority. He looks out to those who are under authority and he appoints 12 of them into authority. Okay, he, he calls them out by name. And he, Jesus, Jesus in the flesh, calls out these 12 guys. And this is why I think that this is important. Because there's a lot of people who want to be in authority that honestly have no desire to come under authority. They want to be able to boss people around, but they can't take orders at all. The scripture says this. The scripture says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Oh, look, I, I know that this is a sermon that's probably for some people going to really test their roots here in the church. Because the moment that I start telling people what to do, they just recoil. Who do you think you are? I mean, I, I said it in person. You know, when the worship leader says, says, hey, you know what, everybody lift up your hands. I mean, the Bible very clearly says, Paul says, Timothy, teach them to lift up holy hands. When the worship leader says that, I mean, oftentimes there's people that are like, oh no, I ain't doing that. He told me what to do, uh-uh. There's a lot of us, probably most of us, have a sense of recoil in us that when somebody tells me what to do, you're not going to tell me what to do. Who do you think you are? The Bible is very, very clear that we as followers are to come under authority. We are called to do that. Because listen, those who are, this is the truth. Those who are above the law, those who are the exception to the rule, those who, who don't have any rules that they have to live by, who get to do whatever they want. Church, they're dangerous. They're dangerous. And the truth is, is they like sheep. But they bite shepherds. And it's dangerous. They're people that like to be in authority but don't like to be under authority. But you gotta be both if you're gonna be a leader. You have to be able to be both. Because before you can go into authority, or when you do go into authority, you still have to be under authority. For each and every one of us. Being under authority is something for every single one of us. And I will say especially if you're a leader. We have to learn to be under authority because if you're going to be in authority, you still have to be under authority. And so Jesus takes these guys and he looks around at these disciples and, and he looks at all these who are under his authority and he gives them, he calls them disciples and he gives these disciples, these 12 guys, he gives them a new title, he gives them a new job, he gives them a new description, a new office. 
And Jesus calls them apostles. Apostles. The meaning of the word apostle is one who is sent. So this come and see ministry, come and see these disciples, come and see, come and see. Now there's this place where they've been given authority now to be sent. And it's like an ambassador. The whole language here is like a king who rules over a mighty kingdom. And he rules over this kingdom and he wants to send a representative into another nation. And so he sends an ambassador or an emissary, and he sends them on mission, and they go into this other nation, and when that representative, that emissary, that, that ambassador is in this other nation, he is sent on behalf of the king, and he goes into this other kingdom to represent the king's kingdom. He goes into this place with authority, and he speaks on behalf of the king. Now, that's the language that's used here that Jesus is talking, or that Luke is talking about when he describes this scene. Now, let me talk a little bit about apostle and, and what that means because I think that sometimes there's some confusion about some of this. And, and again, some of you may agree, some of you may not with just the way that I'm laying this out. Please understand, we're talking, you know, I, we have to use some semantics here. So first thing first is that we need to understand that Jesus is the apostle. Okay, in, in Hebrews chapter three and verse one, it very clearly says he's our apostle. Now again, what that means is that when God the Father wanted to send an ambassador, a representative from heaven to earth to represent his kingdom, what did he do? He sent God the Son. He sent the Lord Jesus Christ to be his representation here. He is our apostle. It just means he's the sent one. That's why, again, it says over and over again, particularly in the Gospel of John, it says it many times. Jesus says, the Father has sent me. The Father has sent me. The Father has sent me. That means that Jesus is the apostle. He's the sent one. All right? Now, there is also then what we're going to call the office of apostle. There is, we'll call it just again for, it, it's not in the scripture, it doesn't, I'm just saying for our thoughts, it's capital A apostle. We're just going to call it that for the moment, this office of apostle. And in this office of apostle, these are the 12 that Jesus called out by name. He selected these 12 apostles and he said that I am calling you out and calling you into this office of apostle. So this is a fixed number. There were 12 that he selected. These were those that Jesus chose. And then in Ephesians, Paul said in, in chapter 2, verse 20, he said this. He said, the church is built on the foundation of the prophets and apostles. And so who's at the foundation of the church? The prophets and apostles with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So there's this office. These who are set apart as apostles that he called in this time. And the apostles included Judas. Judas was the one, as you know, that betrayed Jesus. He went out and he hung himself. And then we see another man was selected in the book of Acts to step up and to take his place. That was Matthias who stepped up and took Judas' place. And in that whole uh, goings-on, there were regular uh, restrictions or regulations that were given as to who would become apostles. And those requirements, one was that you had to be an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus. You have to be an eyewitness, and that was one of the things that they said. 
And so they picked Matthias, who had been a, a follower, a disciple, and had seen Jesus at the resurrection. And then Paul then later was added as an apostle. Jesus comes down and commissions him to be an apostle. You can read more about that in Galatians chapter 3. There's a number of places you can find Paul as he's described as an apostle in the church. And we see these apostles, there's a set number of them. Those who were hand-selected by Jesus. The eyewitnesses to the resurrection and given a very distinct authoritative designation. Many of these guys are the guys who wrote the books of the Bible. And they had been given this delegated authority that is not an authority that we enjoy today. Look, it's not, you know, to that degree, there's not apostles today. Not to call them into the 12, not to be called a part of this, into that place of capital A, apostle like that. No one has that kind of authority. Look, you, I can't say, hey, you know what? Well, Peter and I, we're, we're on the same, you know, we're on the same wavelength. We got the same authority. Now listen, they had a special, specific authority that was given to them. Now I can learn from his weaknesses, his failures, his faults, and all of those things. But I, I can't write a book of the Bible. John and I, were just not on the same spiritual level. These were the apostles. And the church was built on the work of the prophets and apostles with Jesus being the chief cornerstone. Now, after that, I don't want to say under that, but after that capital A apostle, there is this lowercase a apostle which is not the office of apostle, but the gift. This gift of apostleship. There is an apostolic gift that the Bible tells us very clearly is still at work. This gift of apostle, and the Bible declares it. You can read how God gave gifts to the church, and this apostolic gift was one of those gifts that were given. They're described in Ephesians chapter 4. You can go through and read all of that. I put that in your notes. But apostle is one of the various gifts that's given. So it's a gift. It's a spiritual gift. And it's given for purposes of just like serving is or teaching or administration. There's these gifts and we need to operate in the gifts that God has given to us. But in this place of apostolic gifting, there is a special capacity that God gives people to build things, to create things, to see things done. There's this place, I mean, God, and let me also say that this apostolic gift is a gift that can be, I mean, men and women can walk in this apostolic gifting. Amen. I mean, God gives spiritual gifts to men and to women, te teaching gifts, leadership gifts, whatever it might be. But church, the, the distinction is there's a difference between the gift and the office. There's a distinction that's there. And the gift of apostle I mean, in that gift, there are a couple of different things, many different things, but a couple just to help it stand out to us. And let me also say that I do not believe for a moment that everybody that has been gifted with the gift of an, uh, the apostolic gift is using that in, in, in line with God's will. This apostolic gift can be used in a couple things. One, for uh, the ability to cross-cultural ministry. For those who, can, who have this ability to go out into other countries and to you know, create missions and missions teams and start and plant churches and, and oversee campuses. It's like, man, how in the world do they do that? I can't even oversee my life hardly. I mean, I have a hard time keeping this church straight. 
I mean, it's tough. And then for these guys that are out there doing these incredible things, and again, I'm not saying every one of them is following after the Lord, but there is this gift that's at work, and it's not mine to say, you know, at every point and turn which ones are and which ones are not. But there's people out there with this apostolic gift to start churches and plant campuses and do all sorts of things. There's some of them walking, they're movement leaders and they, they work across multiple churches, multiple pastors, and they write books and they travel and they preach. They internationally might travel. But church, hear me here. Just because somebody may have a, the gift of apostle, it doesn't mean anything unless they first qualify as an elder or a deacon. Church, you can have a gift and not have the character to sustain it. You can have a gift that your character will not keep. If your integrity is not intact, then the gift will, will it honestly will lead people astray and do more harm than it ends up doing good. We need to be people of character and people of integrity. You can, be, you can have the gift and not be qualified. So we hold, I hold, that the office, again, is different than the gift. Doesn't mean people aren't still walking in apostolic ministries and apostolic giftings. I absolutely believe that. But we are not changing. We are not rewriting. We are not altering the word of God. And when they do... They move from that place of apostolic gifting into the category of false prophet. Okay, this gifting does exist. And I know it exists because they do have false prophets. And if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you can read all about the false prophets. And the Bible tells us very clearly that in this time and in this day and in this age, that there will be and are false prophets, people who are sent by Satan, not Jesus. And just like the devil masquerades as an angel of light, you will find the scripture tells us that there are false apostles who masquerade as apostles. Okay, you'll find those, that he tells us this, that they're ministering by the power of demons, not by the power of the Holy Spirit. They're telling us lies and things to get us off track so that we can move away from the truth, not towards the truth. Amen. They want to lead people astray, not towards God. Church, Jesus takes these 12 who are under authority, and then he positions them into authority. He says, now you're apostles. Now you've come and seen. Now I want you to go and lead. I want you to go and die. Under that or after that, we've got the gifted people that have this gift of apostleship. And let me tell you, the working, listen, the working of the gift of apostle is to keep you and I, people from false prophets who want to lead us astray. That's where this gifting is. Because church, this is the, uh, the this. because some of you, some of us, well, I can't really say some of us because I haven't done this. I've been here for 13 years. I haven't bounced from church to church. And I don't mean this with any kind of condemnation, but some of you have bounced from church to church, from ministry to ministry. And a large reason why so many do that is because they just do not want to come under authority. 
Just don't want anybody to really know you. Don't want anybody to know my shortcomings. Don't want anybody to know what's really going on in my life. Just don't really want to be submitted. Listen, if I want to see people leave the church, I mean, honestly, one of the first things I can do if I want to see people leave the church is is begin counseling or meeting with them. They start telling me things going on in their life, and all of a sudden they're embarrassed about it. And and they don't, because they get mad because, well, and again, listen to this. So people come in to talk with their pastor because usually there's a problem. Yeah, I, I mean, Nine out of ten of you come see me when there's a problem in your life, not, not to give me good news. And so people come in because there's an issue or a problem or something that they're struggling with. Now, usually when there's something that we're struggling with, it's because we've gotten an area of our life that's out of line or out of step with the Word of God. And so as we talk, I see, wow, you're out of step with the Word of God. You shouldn't be doing that. You need to stop doing this. And that's often the last time I see him. Who does he think I, who does he think he is to tell me I shouldn't be sleeping with my boyfriend or my girlfriend? Who does he think I, who, who does he think he is? Some, I shouldn't be out getting drunk. I shouldn't be partying. Well, I mean, it's turning your life into hell, but, you know. And people will get upset and people will leave. It's happened over and over and over again because people don't want people to know what's going on. They don't want to be submitted. They don't want somebody to tell them what to do. They want somebody to commiserate with what's going on in their life. They don't want to join anything. I don't want to be held accountable for anything. I just want to live in this come and see, come and see, come and see, come and see, come and see. Can I just keep coming and seeing? You can. Joni said, smile. (laughs) But it's a mark of immaturity. It's a mark of immaturity when we refuse to grow. And I'm inviting you to walk out of that immaturity. I'm inviting you today to, to go and die. To go and die to yourself, to go and die to your pride, to go and die to your false humility and settle in somewhere. Settle in and let yourself be known. Commit to something. Submit to something. Come into the church, whether it's in the church or outside of the church or a ministry, come and make it yours, make it ours. Come and join together to work so that you can come under authority and grow and be trained and learn and do these things so that one day God can take you and put you in authority. That's what he wants to do. I can't tell you though. I mean literally over the past 13 years I've had hundreds and hundreds of people that have come through the church And they jump from church to church to church. They jump from ministry to ministry to ministry. Wonderful, tremendously gifted people who don't want to spend the time required to come under authority. Why? Because I know it all. Come on. I've sat under 34 of the best pastors.
People that don't want to get trained. Why? Because I know it all. I don't need to get trained. The, the, the real thing, though, is there are people who don't want to prove themselves faithful. Church, I will choose somebody faithful over somebody gifted every time. Every time. But there's people who want to walk in and say, hey, wait a minute. You guys, you know what you guys need to do? You, you know what you guys should be doing? Hey, you know what? No, you, you need to do this. And it's like, okay, I, you know, hey, I'm in charge. May not say, hey, I'm in charge, but they act like they're in charge. People want to walk in off the street and begin to boss people around. Oftentimes, I mean, you know, it's like, it's like a, a, a you know, a, a sibling when the parent's not around. <laughs> Oftentimes it does, it happens, which is crazy. People, want, people think they can walk into the church and because they've been in church before, think that they know everything about the church so they should be able to tell us everything that's going on and everybody should be doing things this way or that way. Where else in the world does it work like that? Imagine, I was thinking about it. Can you imagine if you joined the Marines and you walked up to the drill sergeant and said, hey, um, I really don't like these training exercises. I've got some ideas myself, so me and the guys are going to do our own thing tomorrow. How do you think, how do you think that one's going to work out? How do you think that would work? What about if you walked into college and you walked up to your professor and said, um, I don't really agree with the requirements for graduation, so we're going to make up our own requirements, and we're going to do it my way, okay? You know what both would say? Honestly, the, the Marine drill sergeant would say, shut up and start running. The professor would say, shut up and sit down and learn. Just sit down and learn. Church, we got to be under authority. And it takes time to prove yourself. It takes time to do that. And if you demonstrate faithfulness, someday you can be an authority. And when you're in authority, then you can make all the changes that you want to make. All the changes that you think Pastor Mark should make. All the things that Pastor Mark should be doing differently. All the things that you think you... Hey, listen, I thought all those things. I remember when I was an associate pastor... Man, I looked at the pastor and thought, well, he should be doing this, 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 and this. You know, here I was, I, I just call it this, I was standing on Associate Pastor Mountain looking at everything and going, you know why? Well, he, he should be doing all these things. And then when I became a senior pastor, and God put me on a different, a different I'm just using it as an example, on a different mountain, gosh, I saw things completely different. Let me just tell you, until you stand in my shoes, you have no idea what it's like to stand in my shoes. Same thing for you. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't fully understand, and I know that. And, and again, I honor that. But I see things completely different than I used to, and there's a lot of things that I thought I would have changed. I realized um, there's reasons why they do things that way, or reasons why we do things this way, or things I just you know, preferentially didn't like. See, some of us, you know what we like? We just don't want to prove ourselves faithful. But some of you love the idea of being in authority, but not the thought of being under authority. 
So don't pursue being in authority until you've taken a season to prove yourself under authority. And then the last thing I want to point out is, and again, this is vitally important to what I'm talking about in the number six, but number seven is, and we've gotten away from this, is that every team needs a leader. Just just sing on. (laughs) Listen to this, and we'll dig into this here. In verse 14, it says, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Tom, or Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now, all of these disciples are now the apostles, and these guys have become a team. Now, I'll, I'll say this. Obviously, obviously, Jesus is the leader. Amen? Yes. Jesus, but let me just also say this. Jesus is the leader of every team. Okay, every team in the church, everything in the church, every Christian organization, everything that's done in the name of Jesus, it should, uh, he is the leader. Okay, but in this group here of these guys now called apostles, Peter is the leader. Peter is the human leader in this place. Well, how do we know? Well, if you look at every time the lists of disciples are given, if you look at it in the book of Acts, if you look in Mark, or Matthew, Mark, Luke, you'll, you'll find that the same thing in every one of them. The last person on the list every time is Judas. Not a lot of love for Judas. But church, then the first person on the list in every single one of those cases is Peter. Now, Let me just say this, because this is one of those places where we get off on this. Peter was the leader. He's first in every list. And I'll show you a couple other things here. But I want you to see this. He's the first among equals. Okay, they're not lesser, less important. Everybody's got this place of importance. It's not a point where he's the leader and then one is above and one is beneath. This is a place where he is the first among equals. But every team needs a leader. And again, some of you are wondering, what in the world does this have to do with anything? What in the world are we listening to this for? Because this is about our church. And what do you want in a church? What do you want in our church? This church, do you want this church to be good? Do you want this church to be holy? Do you want this church to be sanctified? Do you want this church to be biblical? Do you want this church to be helpful to the society around us? Do you want this church to be based on Jesus' ministry? Do you want this church to go out? Do you want to give your life for what Jesus gave his life for? Church, these should be things that are important. This is why it all matters. And I'll say this, this is one of the reasons why it matters, is because I love this church, which you are the church. I love you, and I want the very best for you, and I want you to have the very best. And honestly, I don't oftentimes think that's me, but God's put me in this place, and I want this church to be modeled after Christ. I want it to be the very best it can be by the grace of God. I want this church to be something that, that is, is God called, God ordained and used of God to do what God has called the church to do. I want this for you. I want this for the church. But the whole issue of leadership is a huge issue. Yes. 
I want you to see what's happening. See, we live today, this culture, listen, there are a lot of people who think, you know, progressives, who think that we are as a culture, as a nation, that we're progressing. Okay, the world is not progressing. Okay, it's digressing. We, listen, I mean, how can we be progressing if we're headed to the end? Okay, this world is becoming sicker and sicker and sicker with the sickness of sin. It's a cancer and it's invading every fashion of life that we see today. And so we're growing up and we are raised in this progressively sick culture. And one of the symptoms of living in a sick culture is that we live in a sick world that has come to hate leadership we have and again I'm 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 having a hard time with some of this because in looking at some of the leadership that we have I can understand perfectly and I don't have to like the things that people do but church we have let this come something that has been been progressive in us and it's permeated to other areas of our life there's a place, I mean, where have we become so irreverent that we think we can do or we think we can say anything we want to say to those that God has appointed in authority? That God has put into position. And I'm not saying that we don't stand against sin. I'm not saying that we don't stand against things that are sinful. I think we have to and we need to. But if we, if we continue down this road of disrespect and disrespectfulness towards leaders where we think we can just text anything we want, we think that we should be able to text anything we want and say whatever we want to the president. That's great when we're standing behind, sitting behind a computer. And I'm not saying that he deserves, I'm not talking, I'm talking about in us. Have we really walked that far away from the word of God that we in the church think that it's okay for us to say anything we want about that which God's put into authority? Now, I'm not talking about deserving or not deserving. Listen, we could go on and on about that. But what I'm afraid of is this overwhelming, this, this pursuit that we find on social media today, which is just a progressive, negative downcast towards anybody that's in authority. It's almost like we're not, we're just looking for those that are in authority so that we can continue to throw this stream of spewed hatred and negativity out towards whoever it is that we feel. And we've gotten to this place, church, where it, it, it's transitioning like many things to where we don't want to, it's, it's today, we don't want to follow a leader. All we want to do is criticize a leader. Amen. And we've gotten to this point where when somebody is in leadership, the first thing that we think that we should be able to do is just criticize. And it's gotten to this place where many, many people today they don't even recognize leadership. And again, I'll show you here where I think the devastation from that comes into play in the church. Now, there's also this ongoing thing that there are many people today who don't, even in Christian circles, who don't believe in leadership. We 
just don't believe it. There shouldn't be a leader. There should just be whoever has this or has that should say whatever they want and do whatever they want. Nobody should really be in charge. And I think, really? Do you really believe in God? Because I think somewhere in scriptures we can find that God's in charge. <laughs> I, think, I think we can find that he's a leader, right? I mean, come on, he is the one. He's got, we've at least got one leader. So you can't throw all leadership out. And even in God, even in, and, and please hear me out here, even in God's organization of the Trinity. I, again, I am not talking about subordinationism. Okay, I am not talking about where we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in, in a a place of um, digressing deity. They are all equal. One is not greater than the other. They are all equal. It is a complete equality. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It is one God. They are all the same. One is not greater. There's three persons, all equal. But submissive. We do. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Son submits to God the Father. He recognizes him as leader. And again, they are completely equal. But there is a chosen level of submission. Jesus submits to God the Father. He says, he says I just read it earlier, he said, it's the Father sent me. He said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. He said, I only say what the Father tells me to say. When Jesus is praying, Jesus says, Father, not my will, but what? But your will be done. That's submitting to a leader. So that's what it is. And, and again, then it says in John that it's God the Father and God the Son who sent God the Holy Spirit. So inside of the character of God, there's leadership in the Trinity. Church, there's leadership in the government of your home. Okay, and, and again, let me say this right up front. You need to hear this. This is not a point where it's better than, more important than. In the government of the home, you know, who's more important? The man, the woman, or the children? Who's more important? Who's lesser important then? Because again, that question has to go both ways. None are. All are equal. Every one of them, everybody, the man, the woman, the children are all equal. But the man is called to a place where he is supposed to lovingly, humbly, submittedly, sacrificially, loving as Christ loved the church, lead his family. And will one day stand before God as to how he did that. Does that mean that one is greater than or better than the other? No, not at all. In the church, there's a government that God gives us in the church. And so in the church, we have elders and we have deacons, we have men, there are women, we have ministry leaders, ministry places where things are going. All are equal. Listen, I'm not better than you. I'm, not, I'm just in a different role than you are. Okay, we are all equal. We are all a part of the church. When God looks at the church, he doesn't look at it and go, oh, I just love Pastor Mark's church. This is Jesus' church. 
And he's put us in different places. And all of us have a role to play. All of us have a place to go, to, to do what God's called us to do. To step up, to step out, and begin to go from that come and see to the go and die kind of ministry that he wants us to be involved in. But each and every one of us are equal. But somebody has to lead. The elders are called to lead. Okay, on ministry teams inside of the church, all are equal. But there's got to be a ministry team leader in your life groups. All are equal that go to a life group. There's not one that's better than another. All are equal, but the life group leader has to lead. Okay, and there's teams, and where there's teams, you have to have leaders. And then the leaders, in taking that place of leadership, become responsible. Now, what do they become responsible for? They become responsible as a leader. A leader becomes responsible for doctrine. What do we believe? And what do we not believe? And, that, and that's a leader's role. A leader becomes responsible for direction. Hey, we're going to go here and we're not going to go there. We're going to do this, we're not going to do that. That is the role of a leader, to help to distinguish the direction, both that we will go and will not go. The role of a leader is discipline. This is appropriate behavior and this is inappropriate behavior. So... Those are the roles, and, and so it's important that we understand this because the role of leadership is doctrine, direction, and discipline. And do you know what those three things do? They protect us from false apostles. So now you can see, when we start to degrade the role of leadership in the church, we start to degrade their ability to share doctrine and direction and discipline and it opens the door for us to be attacked by false apostles, false prophets. It opens the door for that. And that is why this is so important because there are false prophets everywhere. So we look at this, and, and, and Paul, uh, he, I mean, Peter, he's, he's always listed first. He's always the first one. He, Jesus appointed him as leader. At the day of Pentecost, when Jesus had come up out of the grave, or when Jesus had risen from the grave, he had revealed himself to all of the, those that were there, all to the 500 or more. He had come into the upper room. He had ascended into heaven. And then at the day of Pentecost, the, the Holy Spirit poured out. And who stepped up to preach? Peter. Why? Because Peter was the leader. He was the leader of this group. Church, listen, we don't make leaders. We recognize them. We recognize those that the Holy Spirit has chosen. So, I hope you understand why I'm sharing this. Again, I, I, I know that I, it can be hard for some people to hear. But I want to see God pouring out the very best for you. Worship team, come on back up, would you please? See, because the truth is this. Some people, you're, you're following them. You're all, you know, listen, we might all think we're not, but every one of us is following someone. 
Every single one of us. And, and, and you're following them, you're listening to them, you're learning from them. They're the leader. And we all follow someone. And so this is my question to you. Who are you following? And I'm, look, every team needs a leader. There has to be a leader. But we live in this day and age when authority has just been completely rejected and leadership, just because their leadership has become despised. And the reason is because we've gotten to this point where we're just all so smart that we think that everyone should obey us. Listen, everybody, you may not think you do, but everybody believes in leadership. The problem is, is that most of us think that we should be the leader. And because of that, church, we live in a day and an age where we are seeing an increase, a, completely pl a place of complete anarchy today. Anarchy in our culture, anarchy in our world, anarchy in our church. Because we want to be in authority without being under authority. And we've come to this place where maybe not even consciously, we've gotten to this place where for many of us, just because somebody's called a leader, we just look and say, hey, I wanna criticize. I mean, how many times, I could say, I could speak for an hour in here and I could tell you all sorts of truths and mistake one little thing. And, and again, not that I, I want you to share things with me. I do, I love it. It helps me to learn. But man, is that the only thing you got? It's just too easy to find things to be critical about because we're being inundated with this. Inundated with it. Now again, I, I'm careful about that. I, I, I want y'all to talk to me. We're family. But biblically, we see this going on and we have this anarchy and, and we're like in the days of the judges in this day when everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And that's where we have this place. And with Jesus, it's different. Biblically, we say with Jesus, every team has a leader. So church, who's your leader? And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about, have you committed and submitted yourself to Jesus Christ? I mean... Is he your savior? I'll bet. So if he's your savior, is he your Lord? Because Jesus will not be divided. He is Lord and Savior. Is he your leader? Look, if not, get over your rebellion. Humble yourself before him. Say, Jesus, I need you. I need my sins to be forgiven. I need grace in my life. Humble yourself and just say, yes, Jesus. Yes, I need you. Come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Deliver me of my guilt. Help me, Lord Jesus, today. And come bring eternal life into my soul. I will receive from you today, Lord, eternal life. 
If you need that today, submit yourself to Jesus. But I believe there's others of you in this place today that you are called to come under authority. Come into a place where you're under authority. Why? So I can be told what to do? No. So that you can put yourself in a position for God to put you in authority and use you to the fullest degree that God has gifted you to walk in. So that you can walk not just in the gifts, but the character and integrity of God that will help you to sustain those gifts and to do it for the glory of God. Otherwise, it'll be for the glory of you because those false prophets and false teachings will come in and start to take you astray. That's you. Say yes, God. Say yes. Lord, I want to move. I want to move from the come and see to the go and die. Is that you today? Then just say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Bow your heads with me, would you please? Let's pray. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for your grace today. The grace that provides for us, Lord. The grace who gives to us today. The grace who, Lord God, shares with us what we don't deserve. God, we come today. And I pray that if there's any apart from you, that they would submit their heart to you and just fully receive what you intended from the beginnings, Lord. And, and through the cross and through the pouring out of your spirit, that today you're leading and guiding each one to come unto you. If there are those who don't know you, Lord, as Lord and Savior, I pray that today, Lord, they would introduce themselves to you. That, God, you would know them, that they would know you, and that, God, there would be a, an exchange, a wonderful exchange, our sins for your perfection. Our unrighteousness for your righteousness. Our filthy rags for the purity of the Father's robe robes of righteousness. Lord God, I pray that if there's any here today, they would receive you with gladness and joy. And for those, Lord God, that are struggling with this place of authority, I pray today, Lord, that you would speak to their heart about the choices and decisions that they have to make. That God, this isn't about a feeling, this is about a decision that I need to make. And I pray, Lord God, that you would cause your word to be a lamp unto the paths and feet of your church, that in this time of transition, Lord, in this time of, of, of a fresh pouring out of the rains of your presence, in this time of fresh and new growth, in this time of new life, in this time of legacy, I pray, God, for leaders that would submit themselves so that we could see, Lord God, every gift that you've given unto the church used to the very greatest capacity, used for your glory in the building of your kingdom. And I thank you for that today, Lord. I thank you that today, Lord, we can call out to you. Hallelujah, Hallelujah Lord. Come on, lift up your voices and sing it out. Come on, hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty